The list of potential Democratic challengers to President Trump is growing. It ranges from lawmakers to mega donors and celebrities, but only a small number of hopefuls. Still more candidates are announcing their intentions to run for president in 2020. As the current president is a nominal term limit supporter, what are the odds that two term limits advocates face each other next November? Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of May 13th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. U.S. term limits Northern Regional Director Ken Quinn has been in New Hampshire investigating the presidential question. Let's chat with Executive Director Nick Tomblees about his findings. Hey, Nick. Hey, Phil. So the uh, number of Democratic candidates running for president of the United States is now up over 20. And we've talked about several of these that support term limits. Beto O'Rourke, John Delaney. Andrew, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. and um, Leader of the Yang gang. <laughs> yep. And uh, we got a couple more Democratic candidates talking about tournaments this week. And it was quite exciting to see that former governor of Colorado, John Hickenlooper, uh, was on the stump. And our own Ken Quinn was on the scene. Here, let's run that. So as president, I know you can't uh, propose it, but would you support and endorse a term limits amendment for Congress? Absolutely. And I would not be in politics if it wasn't for term limits. Right? I mean, Denver is a strong mayor form of government. The, the mayor of Denver basically hires all the, the, all, the, all the cabinet, all the senior staff, all these agencies, and they need nine out of 13 votes to change one line item in the mayor's budget. It's a great system if you're the mayor. And the, man, the, the limit is three terms, 12 years, and then you have to go out. The mayor who was there, and was a, he was a great mayor, but he would have been there for 20 years or 25 years without trouble. So I think it makes sense at, at all levels to go. There are pros and cons, but I come down on the side of thinking terminals are generally a good idea. So what do you think, Nick? Um, I didn't know who he was until oh. I heard that clip, but it is refreshing honesty. He sure. said he would have never gotten as far as he has without term limits. A lot of politicians aren't willing to admit that. Right. Um, in Arkansas, for example, all the legislators used term limits to get into office, and then they essentially abolished it so they could stay for life. You know, there's a lot of crookedness throughout this process. Right. But he he showed some humility in saying that, and um, I'm happy to see that he's for it. Kudos yeah. to him. And also, I'd add to that, um, he's in Colorado, which is a state that has tournaments on nearly every office, top to bottom. And he's experienced it, and he's seen it at all the levels of government. And in this clip, he was talking a little bit about how well that works. And I, I was impressed, and I think that he's somebody who's genuinely in support of this uh, policy. And uh, so I was very encouraged by that. So he gets added to the pro list in, in our ongoing um, list of Democratic candidates. Yeah. How's he doing, by the way? You said you hadn't heard him until the clip. Um, I guess he's not getting a lot of traction there in the, the uh, Democratic. Well, it's hard to say. There's over 20 candidates so far. Well, they, so. they have, there's polling right now, and it, it mainly just the people with the highest name recognition are right. doing really well, the Bidens and Bernie Sanders of the world. Right. But they have their first debate um, on my birthday, June 26th, and here in Florida. I think it's in Miami. Okay. And once the debates start, they're going to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit. And um, I'm sure some other candidates will emerge. I'll say this, though. If you are a second or third tier candidate who's trying to break through in this process, and you are running against Joe Biden, who's been in Washington since the 1970s, Bernie Sanders, who's been in Washington for 30 years and was a career politician mayor before that, 
why would you not wrap your arms around this issue, which has so much popularity and really strikes directly at the heart of the careerism in Washington and the fact that the Democratic Party, even though it it tries to be the party of young people and new ideas, it's still run in Washington by a bunch of old people, a bunch of people who first got there decades ago and have not really... Um, modernized their, themselves or their party in a way that most people would expect. So, yeah, I think that uh, it's a great issue for one of them to use, but they need to see the opportunity in it. Right. Sometimes I think they fail to see that opportunity because everywhere they go, I mean, they know what the polls say, but everywhere they go, um, to all the political meetings, to the, um, they spend time in capital cities, they spend time with other politicians, with lobbyists, basically the only people in the world that oppose term limits is the people that are normally surrounding these candidates and these uh, politicians. And so it's hard for them to break out. They're just so used to being against it. They're used to everybody being against it. I think it's unnatural for them um, to strike out in favor of something that would limit themselves, that everyone around them is against, even though the people that they need to vote for them are all for it. Well, that's what I love about the primary. It's the one time in politics where you're not always hanging out with the insiders. You do go into Mm -hmm. a random diner somewhere in New Hampshire, and you talk to Joe and Jane Sixpack about the things that they care about over a plate of Scrapple. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that. I think it's a good opportunity for them to connect with the people, and uh, I'm sure it won't be long until term limits come up in most of those conversations because people are so frustrated, and everyone has been wondering, why haven't you done this already? Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We asked candidates for state legislature to sign a pledge to help us get term limits on Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor and vote for the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. There are only a few states having legislative elections in 2019. We currently have 15 candidates in Mississippi, three candidates in Louisiana, four candidates in Virginia, and two other candidates in special elections that have signed this pledge to support congressional term limits as state legislators. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.org. So who else? He he wasn't the only one, though, who came out this week, right? Ken Ken Quinn also went to an event with uh, Julian Castro. Julian Castro was the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And we have a clip of him talking about term limits at his town hall. Let's run that. Okay. Would you be willing to support and endorse a term limit amendment for Congress? I don't, I guess, to, to be blunt with you, I'm not vehemently either opposed or supportive of term limits. I, I believe that term limits could be good if they have enough time. Yeah. The problem that I have with San Antonio's term limits for municipal government is that it was two two-year terms. So it was way too short. By the time you got decent at doing your job, you were already gone. I would think for a congressional representative, something between eight and 12 years, something in that range might be a good range of years. So I could support term limits that had a good uh, amount of time for somebody to be good at what they're doing, have some time doing that, and then cycle off. Um, But not if it's too short. It would depend on the amount of time. So, Phil, what'd you think? Well, I'm trying to think whether I want to put him in the pro column or not. I guess, you know what? I guess he is. He said he was, and so I'll take him at that. Um, he was the mayor of San Antonio, Texas, which was a, uh, a city that had a very short term limit. So when he's complaining about the short term limit, he's not like most politicians that think that 16 years is too short. Um, he was talking about a four-year term limit. 
and the voters of uh, San Antonio moved it to eight. And it's not something the U.S. tournaments suppose. In fact, eight is really the magic number across the country for tournaments. Um, six and eight-year tournaments are, I think, what have demonstrated themselves to be the most effective and that have the greatest balance between the experience we want and also better representation and more access to the office that we want. So when he was complaining about the short tournament, I don't think he's going to be a fighter for it, judging from these remarks. He was a bit half-hearted, to say yeah. the least. He kind he kind of gave me a, yeah, yeah, term limits, whatever, next question sort of vibe. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, San Antonio has been changed to eight. Um, but think about it. When he campaigns for president, does he say, I was a terrible mayor because of those pesky four-year term <laughs> limits? Hell no. He right. he lists all of his successes, funding, education, oh, sure. roads, reducing crime, uh, green development, all this stuff. I hate this. Never let a politician rip term limits and then highlight in the next breath everything he achieved while term limits were in place. No, That's I know inconsistent. It. It's disingenuous. Right. And it's bullshit. And of course, he got the job once again because of the term limits, because there was an open seat for him to run for. So, yeah, once again, having a person in office that, particularly in president, as long as he's not opposed to tournaments, if he's vaguely for it, um, that's still of some benefit because really what we want to make sure is we don't have someone that's adamantly opposed to it that is going to try to stop the movement that we have in Congress. So I guess I'll put him in the um, leaning for column. How about you? I think leaning for is fine. Uh, And by the way, it's not like the cities in America that have short-term limits – um, are on fire while the cities run by career politicians are doing so well. Oh, of course. Uh, oh, my God. That's just word. not how it works. Look at, look at Chicago. Chicago is the largest big city in yeah. the country without any term limits. Actually, the only one in the top 10 uh, per population that has no term limits, and it has the worst corruption problem in right. the country. Right. Um, so it, you absolutely can't point to cities with term limits and say they've been run badly. In fact, I think most cities like that have done very well. Good point. Last, we have another Democratic contender, Seth Moulton. He's a member of the U.S. House. He um, represents Massachusetts 6th District. Ken Quinn hasn't uh, tracked him down yet and uh, put him on the record what he thinks about congressional term limits. Um, But he does have a little bit of a record with the issue, and we've talked about that on this podcast in the past, because he was the ringleader, or one of the ringleaders, of the miniature rebellion in the Democratic caucus in the House that was talking about not supporting um, Nancy Pelosi as the returning House Speaker without some kind of term limit being imposed on either the leadership or the committee chairs in the House, or both. And the reasons that he gave and that the rebels gave were exactly the right ones. It showed some understanding of the importance of term limits. Yeah, if you don't have term limits on leadership, um, basically all but a small number, small select group of congressmen are just going to be cogs in the machine for the entire time. They're going to have to keep their heads down and kiss the rings of leadership for at least 12 years before they get their hands on any semblance of real uh, influence. Right. So he understands that. Um, we haven't really seen traction, though, on the term limits deal within the Democratic caucus. No. Apart from no. Pelosi agreeing to step down, they have not imposed anything on committees, which is a um, it's a stark contrast from what the Republicans did when they were in power. Even though they never went for full term limits, they at least had rotation on the committees to create the appearance of rotation. And it was very and, helpful. Um, it was, yeah. If Democrats don't follow suit, I can see their younger members getting very frustrated very quickly. Maybe that's why he's running for president, because he's just fed up with the inaction, with like the paralysis that is gripping Congress right now. 
last month, The Hill, the premier newspaper and website covering Congress, ran an op-ed by U.S. Term Limits President Philip Blumel titled, Why Better Candidates Don't Run for Congress. Without using the words, the op-ed demonstrated the phenomenon of adverse pre-selection, which reduces the quality of congressional candidates. The op-ed continues to be shared and discussed, and we include it in its entirety here. I have a confession. I've considered running for Congress. Perhaps you have too. My resume seems to support a congressional run. At 53, I've been a successful financial planner for about two decades. I've held minor public office. I've managed successful ballot initiative campaigns, raised a handsome and broken family. I've served on boards of both charities and other organizations, and I, I speak publicly around what would be my district and also the country on public policy issues. Not to mention, I've been asked to run for Congress on more than one occasion. But I'm not going to run for Congress. Congress is not a place to serve. It's a place where aggressively ambitious career politicians help themselves and their cronies. If our republic was governed by a representative democracy, our politicians would be successful individuals from various walks of life who step away from their vocations to serve for a time and then return home. But without term limits on Congress, most successful people do not run, except those who aspire to be career politicians. Most people who have success outside of politics will not run for two related reasons. One, the impossible conditions required to beat an incumbent. And two, the lack of influence a new member has in Congress. Incumbent advantage is so great that since 1970, just shy of 95% of all incumbents running for the U.S. House have won. Challengers lose as a rule. It's a long shot akin to investing in a penny stock. And that's not the kind of investment that prudent individuals make. In so-called wave elections, like in 2018, no more than 20% of U.S. House races are competitive. Congressional seats eventually do open when incumbents retire or they die or they're sent to prison, and competitive elections are then held. Though a small number of seats each election, only 55 seats were open in 2018, this is where competition in American congressional elections actually occurs. If outsiders make it through the gauntlet, they will not get to be in leadership. Earning a seat in these positions of power is primarily a waiting game, and the line can be a decade or even decades long. The mean tenure for current Democratic committee chairs in the House, for example, is 24 years. The current system rewards those who go to Washington to stay and keeps power from those who would serve and return to their productive careers. When someone considers running for Congress, they ask themselves if it's worth it to surrender for a decade or more of mind-numbing frustration with so little opportunity for success. For a successful, goal-oriented individual who wishes to give back, running for Congress is simply not an effective way to achieve that goal. There is a simple reform that addresses these issues. <laughs> Term limits will open each U.S. House seat every six years. With competitive open seat elections, it is reasonable for a successful, qualified individual to make that investment. Rather than seats opening in a random, unpredictable manner, successful individuals can plan years ahead to build support in the district and to raise the money needed to campaign. Term limits overthrow the established seniority system and force power to be allocated in a smarter fashion within the legislative bodies. Leaders will be termed out like everybody else, and popular new members can expect to move into a position of leadership within four years. 
Congressional leadership will be made up of individuals who better represent the people because they would have recently faced competitive elections. Successful individuals will run with the anticipation of spending a few years of their life in office with a real opportunity to influence policy that inspires them, and they will expect to leave office and return to their vocations. Bottom line, the best people should be representing us in Congress, but they're not. Instead, we are getting aspiring career politicians. Voters deserve a real choice with a better caliber of candidates. Yet, without the competitive elections brought by the regular rotation in office that term limits mandate, they'll rarely see them. The latest Gallup poll shows 77% of Americans disapprove of the way Congress is doing its job. One Virginia lawmaker pitches a plan to clean things up in Washington. It's very difficult um, because you have entrenched politicians who want things to stay the same. Freshman Republican Congressman Denver Riggleman wants to put in place term limits for fellow lawmakers. He's backing a bill that would move forward with a constitutional amendment so members of the U.S. House of Representatives can only serve three two-year terms. Senators would have to leave office after two six-year terms. This is an uphill battle, and you don't want to do something symbolic. You want to do something meaningful, and if it draws attention to those to get involved, I think it's a victory. Although Riggleman says the effort could encourage greater transparency and accountability in D.C., George Washington University's Steve Billett, a former lobbyist, says the intentions of this may be pure, but he thinks ultimately it would empower outside influences. With all of these rookies around, Congress would be easy pickings for the lobbyists. Yeah, we'll make short shrift of them and your little dog, too. <laughs> I'll show those namby-pamby term limits activists. I'm a lobbyist. I'll teach them a thing or two. Have we heard this one before or not, Nick? I mean, come on. The lobbyist, former lobbyist, coming out telling us that lobbyists are for term limits. Is, is this some kind of joke? Every single campaign, and we only hear this from the political class, my question is, where are you lobbyists? Why has not a single lobbyist ever called me and said, I really want to help you get term limits because I'm just dying to take advantage of politicians? It right. never happens. They are on the wrong side of every single term limits campaign. They always oppose us, not just uh, rhetorically, not just in terms of advocacy, but also in terms of money. Oh, lobbyists. Money. They cut personal checks against mm -hmm. term limits. Their clients, big business, big unions, everybody lobbyists represent, they cut checks against term limits. And then they have the audacity to go out there and make it sound like lobbyists and term limits activists hold hands in a big circle and <laughs> sing kumbaya. It's, that's not how it happens. We are diametrically opposed to lobbyists, and they are diametrically opposed to us because they know that term limits are the break on their gravy train. They know that term limits would sever those relationships, it would force them to work much harder, it would bring new blood into the system, people with a real skepticism of lobbying and a real desire to do the right thing. What is it that lobbyists have that they're hired for by interests? Their relationships connections with decision makers and tournaments sever those connections every six years or every eight years however long the tournament is and that is the bane of a lobbyist's existence and for them to pretend that this is somehow in their benefit 
um, and then they turn around and give money to fight tournaments every time it, the issue arises. It really takes a lot of chutzpah. Now, you've done an article before that I've read where you've looked at different states that have had big money campaigns regarding tournaments in California and Arkansas and other places. And as you point out, there's never been a state, not one ever, and we do this all the time. There has never been a state that has had lobbyists come out on the side of tournaments. Never. No. Yep. Um, it's the exact opposite. Yep. And they, they are always funding whichever side is trying to stop term limits from happening. Yeah. Um, weaken the term limits that already exist. So, for example, taking it from 8 to 16 years, sure. as they did in Arkansas, mm-hmm. or abolish the term limits altogether. We saw it in Arkansas in 2004. Mm-hmm. We saw it in California in 2012. They just they don't want their relationships with career politicians to end. Anytime you see this, just don't hesitate to call it out. Um, We need to inform people. We need to let them know this is fake news. When you show statistically that the rate of growth in government spending is slower in term limit states, then you have effectively demolished uh, this myth. That's right. You've effectively effectively refuted it because if the lobbyists were in charge, the opposite would be true. Case closed. That's it. This is a public One of the 21 Democratic presidential candidates who have announced so far is former Representative John Delaney of Maryland. Delaney is a businessman who founded two commercial lending companies that currently trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Delaney ran for Congress. He left after six years to become the first Democrat to announce his candidacy for president. That was on July 28, 2017. He's also distinguished in that Delaney is not accepting campaign contributions from political action committees, or PACs, and he's a consistent advocate of term limits. Would you, as a candidate for president, support an amendment to this Constitution to limit the terms of office? Yes. In terms of Congress? Absolutely. Yeah, and I didn't spend 30 to 35 hours raising money, by the way. I was just shocked how many of my colleagues did. Again, it takes a constitutional amendment. They are hard to do. Well, that's it for another week of No Uncertain Terms. The president can't pass a constitutional amendment, but he or she can assist or impede one brewing in Congress or in the states. So we'll continue to report on the presidential contest in that light. But never forget the real action on this issue is not in Washington. It's in your congressional district, and it's in your state capitol, and amongst your fellow citizens. Stay in touch with us. You can subscribe at iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, and Google Play. Do it. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. I love the shriek, you know, not every episode can be winter, it's feast or famine, and I am all about the feasting around here. Have we gotten any feedback on our foolishness, though? Like, do people think we're doing too much, or we, you know...